We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, people? Welcome to week 14 of the absolutely epic early week podcast. Yes, this has been 14 weeks of you wasting an hour of your time. We appreciate it. Uh, let's have some fun. Bobby, how you doing, man? First of all, I don't appreciate that you're referring to it as wasting an hour. I am sorry that you sound a little under the weather and you did mention that you were, so I'm sorry about that. But also, you forgot what happened to What's Up, Roto-Grinders fam. That's like your intro. Uh, I think it's just, as you said, but I've been a little under the weather, so my mind is still... <laughs> Trying to recover as I head into this, you know, another busy NFL week. I'm sorry, man. I've been there before. Yeah, it wasn't a great NFL week for me. Fortunately, there's the NBA. But, uh, yeah, i just been a little bit uh, a little bit off on my picks. And I'm sorry you're not feeling well. But uh, we can at least get to hang out and have fun for an hour and talk about this upcoming week and maybe get some of our picks down. Yeah, maybe you have a, uh, a better week than last weekend. Grant, how did you do this last weekend? Uh, time my first losing week in like seven weeks, but that's because I was 100% on Hyde and like 80% on Howard. And I'm pretty sure that John Fox not laying Hyde in the end zone cost me, cost me a winning week, winning week because on everything I was just like a few points from cashing. But you know, that happens. It does happen. Yeah. I, uh, there was, it was a weird week. There was a lot of, uh, really great players and great matchups that just didn't work out. I can't even blame that. I built just a bad roster, but uh, I think that no matter what, I would have had a tough time just because a lot of the quality plays did not pan out. Uh, obviously I had a large chunk of my money in cash games, so that was going to be tough regardless, but uh, new week and pumped to get to it. Grant, do you have a rant stretching beyond anger with John Fox? or anything else to carry us into week 14? I mean, I guess it's just I'm moving right now, and it's just been a series of unfortunate events like Lemony Snickets. Um, we got our first noise complaint at our old place that I'm currently moving out of. We <laughs> just put in a 30-day notice, and it was that same Confederate flag neighbor. It's very weird to me. I told him just to tell us anytime we were being loud, and he decided to lodge a complaint 20 days before we're moving out of our apartment. Then moving into the new one, our landlord talking back and forth on the phone. He doesn't really speak great English. So trying to figure out everything that we're trying to do. Every time I send over a text like, hey, what? Who, whose name do I put on the cashier's check? Like, what's the name of the company? Yes, cashier's check. No, that that who, who do I put as a payee? Yeah, you need to pay us the cashier's check. Oh, gosh. Uh, how do I how do I phrase this? And just trying to do the littlest things has always been a problem. So it's it's just and now we have twenty eight days at both places. Everything's just terrible. I hate moving. I hate it so much. It's terrible. I'd never want to move again for the rest of my life. That's the end of it. That's just a sad rant. Uh, it was very sad. It wasn't even particularly entertaining outside of bringing up the Confederate flag guy. I mean, I feel like. You're really suffering from this at the moment. Yeah, no, it's just sad. It's, it's very, very sad. I don't know. Now it's, I don't know. 
the weirdest thing is they still don't want us, the Confederate flag doesn't want us to leave because we're less loud than any other person would be, yet they filed a complaint against us. I don't understand it at all. What is that sound, Bobby? I'm sorry, apparently there's drag races going on outside. I'll get all these windows closed. Yeah, you guys... It's a good call. It's a good call. We don't... Life's just weird all the way around for you guys. It is, man. Hey, you live in Portland. Don't you yeah, want you're to supposed talk. to keep Portland. Weird. <laughs> That's fair. My dad's calling. Should I answer the phone while we're on the pod? Uh, your call. And no, no, I won't. Then I don't all want right. to say anything that he sent in a text earlier to you. Yeah, would you like to share with the people what your what your dad shared with you? Um, I don't. I don't know if I should. I know he listened <laughs> to it. I don't know if he'd be embarrassed. But um, essentially. We, I told him that the pod wasn't coming out today because he listens to it every week. It'll come out tomorrow because Jam was sick. And he essentially called Jam a little beasy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, tell, tell him that Grant's dad says you're a little beasy. And Grant's dad goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one last thing we got to take care of. We have punishment to dole out. Um, I had to slightly amend Grant's text before we came on air because or tweet because I was not entirely comfortable uh, tweeting everything he wanted me to tweet, as you can imagine. Uh, last week, our bold calls, we went cheap quarterbacks. I moved off of Josh McCown to choose between uh, four points from Tyrod Taylor or six points from Trevor Simeon. So uh, congrats to Bobby for taking McCown. Congrats to Grant for making a truly bold call with Deshaun Kaiser. And Grant, what do I have to tweet this week if I am willing to do so? Um, it's had a talk with at the D- siege DFS mom at the live final this week, found out that his prime tickle zone is the back of his knee. Things escalate into a full blown pillow fight, hashtag tickle feathers. And then this is the current sentence we have afterwards. Lucky for you. I've got all these daddy issues, hashtag tickle siege. And then a link to Demi Lovato's song, daddy issues. But I think we're just going to take out that sentence, but keep the link just cause it's a really funny thing to, post a link <laughs> i can i can leave the link in or uh i think the other suggestion was hashtag girls want to have fun or girls just want to have fun i don't know whatever that that is and then a, a link to that song who yeah. said that by the way huh cindy lopper uh, uh, abby just said pat benatard wait girls want to have fun is cindy lopper isn't it I don't know who's. That's like, I'm, I'm looking oh, it up. Oh no, Abby. How am I? How am I not the the one that doesn't know who it Abby's is? He's going to be embarrassed by that one. Uh, Bobby, you win '80s trivia knowledge. Oh, I better win that. If I lost that, I would have been ashamed. <laughs> I don't blame. I don't blame Abby on that one. Tell her I understand. Uh, Abby, Bobby understands. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, I'm up for any of those. I am not tweeting hashtag daddy issues or thank God I have one. <laughs> Do you want to tweet it out during the show since it's prime Twitter time and see if we get any comments before the end? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and um, bring up our first topic. And as you guys are talking about that, I will – Grant, text me the exact wording and I'll post it. We'll see. I'm, I'm, emailing, I'm emailing it to you. All right. Um, so in the meantime, we'll talk football. And by the time you are listening to this, that tweet will have been up for like 14 hours. So tell me what you think. Um, so this is an interesting week. And I kind of want to talk about it in, in terms of how this week comes together price-wise. And I think the first thing, the most important thing this week is going to be an injury situation one of the rare opportunities we, we get these days to take advantage of a really cheap player starting and obviously getting all the work um, because this injury came on Monday night. It was after pricing was set. Sites were not able to adjust, and that's Giovanni Bernard, who is 3,100 on DraftKings. Um, and uh, obviously Joe Mixon with a concussion seems unlikely to play Geo is literally the last guy standing on that team. Jeremy Hill's on IR, 3,100. So I want to ask, uh, basically, Grant, how much of a lock is that for you for cash games? Are you going to, like, think too deeply into it or just stick with that? And then, uh, Bobby, I'll swing it over to you for a tournament perspective on what percentage he would have to be for you to consider fading him. So, Grant, you go ahead with that one first. I, I mean, in cash games, it's you, you have to play him. There's no 
no question around it. If you're going to fade some guy that's high owned or that's really cheap at a cash game, there's got to be a re- rationale or a possible road where he doesn't make value. Gio Bernardi's a good receiving back and he's their third down back. So there's no reason to think that he's not going to get four to five targets in this matchup. There's six point favorite. So there's no reason they wouldn't be running at the end of the game. Chicago's not that great of a team. Um, just everything points to playing Bernard in this spot and, I mean, the only problem is there's so many value plays this week. It really just adds more questions. Do you fade him in tournaments? Because if you don't fade him in tournaments, there's enough value plays that people are going to probably lock in. Uh, that they're going to be playing Bell. They're going to be – or I haven't even checked. They're not on the main slate. That's actually – No, yeah. So people there's are going to have to – play. Yeah, there's uh, – well – There's nobody really, to play. I know. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of all the Hopkins. late games. Yeah, outside of Hopkins, there's no one to just love paying up for. Um, uh, LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, he's the other one for me. Not, I don't, wouldn't love paying up for Gurley in this matchup. I mean, but still, like, people – Keenan Allen, after what he's done in the last few weeks. Like, here's the thing, though. This is not a great tournament slate because those guys you pay up for, Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Gurley, McCoy, they all have enough volume where the floors are drastically higher than a lot of the other type of guys that you'd have to pay up for. So you're getting safety at every single position, but also getting an incredibly high ceiling. So this could be a full-on cash game, almost no tournaments, except for my cash game lineups in tournament. Yeah, it's definitely going to be like it shapes up as a really high-scoring week, um, assuming that that Geo hits. Um, even if he doesn't, I mean, you know, just the ability to pay up for all these high-priced guys. Uh, Bobby, what percentage would Geo have to get to in tournaments before you would consider him uh, a strong fade or, or a guy to go like way underweight on the field? Well, Grant brought up a good point, and I, I did some some lineup builds before the show. One of the advantages of filming the show later, I actually had a lot of time to do some research, and I um, I really did find a lot of uh, everybody sort of middle of the road for me that I love. I like I am in love with some of these middle of the road plays that I would pay it happily pay up for, but there's no reason to because you don't have to. So why am I going to go crazy and find the value? Now, the problem is this could be really good value that you might need. So maybe this is the one spot you take just to eat the chalk. I don't know what percentage it'll be. It'll depends on where the rest way out. But I'm finding most of my builds to be middling, middle of the road builds, and I feel really good about them so far. Okay, so that brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, and that is uh, we have a lot of value at quarterback to wide receiver – um, and then in, in my mind, not a ton to love at running back. So uh, I'm going to walk through these four of these quarterback to wide receiver combos that are just severely underpriced, and we'll talk about each one. I just want to get you guys' take on, on each of these, and then we're going to go through each kind of running back tier to see uh, who's standing out to you guys in each tier because I think that, um, you know, what Grant said is there, it's really high floors. I mean, you talk about how easy it's going to be to fit DeAndre Hopkins with no Bruce Ellington, maybe with no Will Fuller against the fastest paced team in football. It's like that that's the highest floor you can get outside of Antonio Brown in a good matchup. It's going to be easy to fit him. Uh, it's going to be easy to fit one of these high priced running backs. We've got some of these underpriced guys we're about to talk about uh, like Josh Gordon and Larry Fitzgerald and Sterling Shepard. Well, you said They're, Bruce Ellington, but he's out. Right, right. That's what I'm saying with Bruce Ellington oh, out, I'm sorry, I'm Will sorry, Fuller potentially out. Um, we just know that Hopkins is going to get all those targets and then, um, you know, these cheaper wide receivers that we can fit, like the floor is going to be really high this week. And I think that that means we're going to see some really high scores, um, which kind of, as Grant said, makes it a little tougher to pivot onto equally good low owned plays. Um, hopefully the ownership will be off of some of these spots. But I think the real key will be doing better than others at picking who really the best plays are. So uh, Bobby, I'm going to go to you on this first one. Uh, and that is, Dak to Dez. Obviously, Dak has played poorly since Ezekiel Elliott went down, but it's still a good matchup against the Giants. Uh, he still has a good wide receiver in Dez Bryant. Where does this pairing uh, stack up for you? How interested are you in in this one this week? Stacks up non-existently. Um, it doesn't exist in my, in my mind. I'm just completely eliminating it from my mind. I was encouraged to see Dez make that one incredible catch that he made on Sunday because that actually reminded me of a player that I once knew. But uh, this is not the same person. I don't I don't like this spot. There's other guys that just like way, way, way more that are either the same price or cheaper. Um, actually cheaper 
Um, so I'm not interested. I'm not interested in Dak, even though he had one big game against a really, really bizarre up and down, mostly down uh, Washington secondary. So I, I'm just going to leave this one alone. It is underpriced, but this is not a week I need to go there. I, there's just way, way too many guys I like better. All right. Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on this one? Obviously, we're about to talk about some of these other cheap quarterback slash wide receiver combos. Um, is this one jumping out to you, or is this one that you're likely to fade? Um, I mean, initially, my initial thoughts were don't play either of these guys, but now looking into it more, the problem is there's a pivot from Devin. Des that I like that we'll get to later, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure we like the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Des, I mean, he in the right matchups, he gets a lot of targets. He may not get a lot of yards, but he'll get a lot of catches. He has a high enough floor and a high enough ceiling, considering how involved he is in the red zone. I have no desire to play Dak. I mean, yeah, he has a possibility of getting a rushing touchdown or two or throwing a few touchdowns, anything like that. Um, but I just don't really feel the need to. Yeah, I'm fine with just doing, going a chalk lineup and then throwing these two guys in it, but Dez is really more likely for me to take as a one-off because his correlation with Dak isn't necessarily highly correlated. Like There are lots of games that Dez could have that could be very high scoring on his part, but not that high scoring on Dez. It's strictly because of the amount of volume he gets on short to intermediate targets. So I'm fine with Dez. I do not want to play Dak, but Dez, this could be a spot where he could go slightly under-owned because of all the value out there and because of the guys that are in the same price range. Yeah, I mean, I think that basically uh, any of us are comfortable saying that Dez can have a good game, but it seems like, I mean, I'm kind of the same boat as you guys. This is not a priority for me compared to some of these other ones. I'm actually interested to see uh, what this one is that you guys are thinking of because we may not get to it in these four that I want to explore, and if we don't, then uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on what else you like. Uh, But the first one uh, that I think is the, the most obvious play on the slate is Josh Gordon at 5,500 against Green Bay after he saw 11 targets last week in his first game back. Um, I do think that Corey Coleman is also really interesting. I think people are going to completely overlook him. I think he could easily bounce back up to seven or eight targets this week. But uh, Josh Gordon, it was clear that they were going to force the ball to him. He was being covered by basically the best cornerback duo in the NFL, still put up 85 yards, four catches. So uh, how high, Grant, are you on Josh Gordon this week? Um, I mean, do you feel that he's correctly priced or do you feel that he's severely underpriced in this Oh, spot? he is so far underpriced. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it didn't help the news today that Casey Hayward said that's the toughest matchup he's had all year. It didn't help that he got 10 targets. The one thing that did help is the fact that he only got four receptions. So that might keep his ownership slightly lower than it should be. But this is just a premier matchup. This is essentially the same case as you had with Keenan Allen. What was it? Three weeks ago, the week before Christmas where he was 5,500 and you know, the guy's going to get a ton of targets. You know, he's incredibly talented and you know that almost any given week, he has an incredibly high floor and then a plus matchup, his ceiling just goes through the roof. Josh Gordon has the potential to be the number one scoring player this weekend. And my hope is just that people won't be on Kaiser as much because I may go 100% Kaiser, 100% Gordon in every single lineup across the board and then just sprinkle in things outside of that because they're my number one cash plays right now and they're my number one tournament plays. I like it. Bobby, what are your thoughts on this Gordon-Kaiser setup? I couldn't agree more in relation to Gordon. Like this is easy. I, I would It would actually surprise me if he's not a top five receiver. I could see him having like a dud game, something weird happening, but I watched them play and I don't know if you guys watched that game. It's incredible. They missed him about five times. There was two other penalties that, that took away plays. There was another um, ball that was overthrown, another one that was under – one of the balls that was overthrown, one that was underthrown that he might have taken for 60 yards. Like, there's – he's just way better than everyone else. And we haven't really seen this come into, like, football in a while where – other than with Tom Brady, like quarterbacks or anything, where somebody can just come back and just all of a sudden after years, like, just be still maybe better than everyone. And maybe that's what we're looking at. Maybe he's an absolute must play. I totally disagree when it comes to Kaiser. I think he's just terrible. Uh, he's really, really bad. But I'm not going to play Kaiser with Gordon, but I will play just a ton of Gordon. Wait, let me – it's irrelevant whether he's good or not. It's entirely irrelevant. Now, okay, um, he, fair, fair, fair enough, fair enough. If that would be true, I agree, because there's a guy who I like – like there's two guys who I like who I think are terrible, Gabbard and Savage, that we could argue that about. But 
you're right. I can see the upside in this matchup. So I'm not going to say it's crazy. There's just so many other guys to choose from. And I actually kind of prefer those other two over him uh, just because I think he's actually that bad. Yeah, I'm fine. But the main thing is he can run. So yeah, that. that's, that's true. That's a big difference. That's the one thing that he get, leans his way. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to hear what you guys had to say on Kaiser as well, because I'm on the fence about Kaiser. I'm definitely with you guys 100% on Gordon. I mean, I think that I don't know. Like, I don't think we see ownership get above 25 or 30%, uh, which obviously sounds crazy high. But then when you think about what Josh Gordon is capable of and what his price is, like, this is a guy who really should be 60 or 70% owned at least. Like, I think that's the range you would have to get in before it became a serious question about whether or not to play him. I think it's also worth remembering that Hugh Jackson seems to be way in over his head as a head coach. Uh, at least with the Browns and with the dysfunction in the front office. But uh, this is a guy that we used to love when he was with Cincinnati as a talent maximizer, a guy that we would look to to find ways to get his best players the ball. And I think that that's what we're going to see with Josh Gordon is just that they are going to get the ball into his hands. Uh, love Gordon this week. And, yeah, so originally Kaiser was the first guy I was looking at at quarterback. And then, Bobby, I'll go to you first on this because I started noticing Blaine Gabbert. And, I mean, really, Gabbert is – is not awful. I think we, we know that even from when he was with San Francisco. And he can put up yards on the ground. Uh, he can get the ball to Larry Fitzgerald, which is an easy you know guy to throw to against Tennessee this week. Tennessee does not allow a lot of rushing yards, so it sets up well for Gabbert to be throwing. Um, so, Bobby, what's your level of interest in, in Gabbert, and what do you see as like level of concern as far as floor goes? Uh, I'm in the process of writing him up. I don't have a huge level of concern because you know my feeling about Tennessee getting away with murder with their schedule. Um, even when I try and pick on him, I have to use teams like Indianapolis. Like I don't get a chance to pick on him enough. But this is a spot where I'm I'm very interested in Gabbard, and I think Gabbard to Fitz makes perfect sense. That's just the easy go ahead. It's uh, Fitz lock him in. Like he's the other one. Him and Gordon. I don't even. I'm a tournament player, and I'm having a hard time getting off these guys. The only reason I can is because there's a couple other guys that I absolutely love. But I, I think that this is a great game stack spot. I, on the other side, I think that the guy who everyone's going to be off of, we were all on for a while, uh, Corey Davis, if he doesn't get the Peterson coverage, uh, I think that you're looking at a potential spot there. So, or Delaney. Um, so anyway, I like this game as a game stack, and I really like Gabbert to uh, Fitz. Yeah, I like that you brought up the pass catchers as well. I think that Corey Davis is a guy who will definitely go overlooked if Rashard Matthews comes back. Matthews should draw Patrick Peterson in that setup. Uh, also Delaney Walker um, I'd love to make it up to Kelsey this week but Delaney is definitely one of the guys I'm eyeing in the mid-range if I have to drop down a little bit cheaper uh, Grant what are your thoughts on Gabbert to Fitz uh, how much of a lock is this one for you or are you less interested in it than Bobby and I are I mean if it wasn't for Kaiser then I'd have a ton of exposure to him we'll still probably have some um, one of the main reasons being so he's fa- faced the number one in I think two defenses for DVOA over the past two weeks, which anyone who's a game score watcher is going to look at those past two weeks and be like 12 and 19. I mean, that's not really a place to go, but he had three touchdowns against Houston earlier on in his first start. Uh, He has another weapon that I don't think people will really be on this week in Seals Jones, who's getting five to six targets a week and going against Tennessee, they force a lot of targets to opposing tight ends and he's a great red zone threat for him. And he's someone that Gabbert has kind of relied on the past three weeks he has three touchdowns he's my top overall tight end on just the Sunday slate at this moment so because of that if I'm not using Kaiser in a lineup then Gabbard's going to be one of the main guys I guess. he's your top tight end that's yep. for real your uh, top tight end dollar. your top tight end is not Steven Anderson point per dollar no I want to understand because I would love to have a conversation about why Steven Anderson is not just the autoist of auto plays the fastest I mean, I had Fedorovich and everything, so maybe I'm a little biased, and I feel like he got taken away a little bit of that usage. I had Fedorovich, like, everywhere on Sunday. That's partly what hurt me. Um, so who do you Steve- think's more talented, uh, Steven Anderson or Seals Jones? Steven Anderson. Anderson. Um, Steven who's in a much, much better matchup? Steven Anderson. Well, no, not matchup. Steven Anderson's in a better situation because of the quarterback he's got. Let me ask him. you a question. Who did, Sa- who, who did Steven Anderson play last week? What is that? Why is that the the, the reigning factor over this? Just, I'm not just I'm not just basing it off this last week. I'm basing it, the reason I played Fedorovich was for the same thing, not just because. No, this is Tennessee very applicable now. here because know, who did he play last week? Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And who is who is Seal Jones playing this week? 
he's Tennessee. I understand. This is, I agree that Tennessee is a good team to target against, but this is also a great spot to target in general. And yes, it's not the place you want to attack San Francisco for the most part, but a quarterback who looks at that, that tight end that often, Steven Anderson played like four snaps the other week and had three, three uh, targets in the end zone. Like this guy is just an absolute end zone machine. He's the only thing that's going to stop Hopkins from having a monster game. And actually I like both of them together. So I think Steven Anderson. Play them both together. There we go. We got an agreement. So, (laughs) and then you you take, take the 3,100 guy and then you've got everybody else you want. Yeah. You got Gio and then all top guys. I'm going to build a lineup like that right now. Yeah. So I just built one with, um, with Gabbert and Gio and LaShawn McCoy and Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins and Sterling Shepard Larry Fitzgerald, Ricky Seals-Jones, like basically all the top plays, right? I have 2,600 left over. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So, I mean, you could even move from like Seals-Jones up to Evan Ingram or Delaney Walker and, and still have all those other guys, like what I feel are the best plays. It's a weird week. It's going to be a weird week to try to differentiate attorneys. I think that I'll probably – I mean, I used to in 2015, I'd basically play – the what, what used to be the $1,060 tournament and then cash games. And that was all I'd play um, just because all these like huge field tournaments, I don't like them as much. I, I really might go back to that this week and just play straight cash games and throw my best team into the $1,500 tournament. Um, just cause, straight cash, homie. What's up? I said straight cash, homie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hard week to like differentiate in large field tourneys. Obviously, if you – differentiate and some of these chalk plays miss uh, and you hit on the right things, you're going to be in great shape. But the chalk is really good chalk this week, uh, assuming that these guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Josh Gordon and Gio Bernard become chalk. Um, Brings us to the last wide receiver who I I don't know how chalky he will actually be, but when you think about what his ownership was just a few weeks ago, in basically the same setup, Sterling Shepard uh, gets Eli Manning back this week. I think we can throw away the six targets he had with Geno. That was a totally different situation. We've seen uh, that Shepard is getting nine to 12 targets with Eli under center. Only 5,300 against uh, Dallas, a good matchup for uh, interior wide receivers. So, Bobby, what are your thoughts on Shepard this week? I had one guy who I was, with everything we've said and, and all that about Gordon and, and Fitz, um, this is probably my favorite play. I, I think that the Dallas secondary is a joke. And I think that Shepard could see 15 or more targets depending on game flow in this spot. I think he can eat him up absolutely everywhere on the field. Uh, I don't think the touchdown touchdown issue he's had is going to stick to it stick much longer and if you're looking at a guy who could have like 10 10 receptions and 150 yards and a score or two I mean this guy could have a monster monster week the price is criminal I was gonna I wish he was 7k or 8k because I would probably play him I like hearing that yeah I mean this is just a weird week to look at uh, like this mock roster I have and see Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins, Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald and I'm not making sacrifices anywhere I mean and I really feel those those are potentially the four best receiver plays on the slate. And so it's a weird week. Um, Grant, you have any different thoughts on Sterling Shepard or are you on board with that one as well? No, but now Bobby's starting to talk me on for tournaments going with a real balanced lineup because I mean, I haven't built many yet. I've just researched specific players and I was so high on them, but there's so many other darn good plays. Oh gosh. Yeah. Shepard's. Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and I kind of think that that's how people will react, though, right? Like, that was the way I originally was, was uh, like, all right, I, ha- I have to get Josh Gordon. I have to get Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, look, it's easy to fit in DeAndre Hopkins. And then I was like, Shepard was the last guy that I really thought about that I had to lock in. And I think that that's kind of how people, like, he might not get over 20% owned. Um, in double-ups, he might not be over 35 or 40% owned. Like, I genuinely think – people might kind of overlook Sterling Shepard compared to where his ownership should be. Um, so do we miss anybody in this price range or did we hit on the guys that, um, that you guys were thinking of? No, I no. think that, Oh wait, no, 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 no. There's one huge one. Are you talking about Doug Baldwin? No. Nelson Aguilar. Actually, no, it's Stefan Diggs. Okay. Uh, talk me, talk to me about that one then. Why are his, because my concern okay. has been the targets. Why are his targets suddenly going to go up? They haven't been over seven since like week three. I'm I'm terrified about what they chose to do against Atlanta, and it worked really well. And Case Keenum deserves a lot of credit for how they managed that game. 
by throwing the ball to the running backs, by just pounding it on the ground. They're not going to be able to do that to Carolina, especially pounding it on the ground. Uh, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more on the outside. Carolina's really struggled with receivers a lot this year. This game is probably going to go a little bit overlooked, and Diggs definitely will be. You're talking about a guy, though, and while you're saying that, that that's true, that is, that's still a four-game sample size, which Keenan Allen went through also. Actually, it's a three-game sample size. And we know this guy has 40 fantasy point upside. It's just when you're going to get an overlooked Stephon Diggs in a what I think is a really, really good matchup, like sneaky, sneaky great, um, I think it's a really good spot for him at, that, at this price. Again, we don't need to save all this money, so maybe you can just pay up for Thielen. I think they're both fine, but – I think Diggs is – he's on the verge of having a monster week. I want to be there when he gets his, his next one because as these other guys who all have the same type of ceilings as him too, but I think he's one of the most likely to have one of those games before they do. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, I, I don't like Diggs nearly as much, but I think that that type of thinking is going to be necessary in tournaments this week, especially large field tournaments because you look at some of these other guys who just will go way – assuming everyone's thinking the same way as us um, – that these these four guys that we've kind of keep touching on are basically a lock for us. Like they're just such good plays, right? Well, then you've got a bunch of guys who are going to go overlooked. Like T.Y. Hilton, we've seen him put up 30 points or 27 or more points three different times this year against Buffalo. That's the kind of spot where he could do it. Marquise Lee is consistently putting up over 20 points. Um, Cooper Cup, if Robert Woods is still out, could put up – over 20, um, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones with Matthew Stafford dealing with the right hand issue. There'd be a lot of question marks there, but let's say Stafford actually comes out and looks like himself against Tampa Bay. Either of those guys could put up 25 to 30. So I think that there's just a bunch of guys who are going to go kind of overlooked in tournaments who could also put up 20 to 30 points. And if some of these other guys don't, uh, and these lower owned guys do, you'll be in great shape without having to take, you know, bad plays to be contrarian. You can just take really good, good plays to be contrarian. Uh, I do think that, that thinking like that, guys like Diggs, guys like Golden Tate is going to be a key in tournaments this week. Um, so running back, you guys seem to like LaShawn McCoy more than I do, feel more comfortable with LaShawn McCoy than I do. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask was this. What else is new? <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, last year, Bobby, it was you and me. We were like, I, and I guess all three of us were the only people on McCoy until like week nine. And there have been a few times this year uh, where I've been really high on him. But, you know, you look at, they're still like bottom eight in DVOA run offense, and they've got Nathan Peterman at quarterback. Um so that was going to be my question was which of these top four guys, Gurley, Gordon, McCoy, Fournette, stand out to you the most. But uh, I guess it's, it's McCoy for both of you guys, right? So, Bobby, what is it that you like about McCoy's matchup this week? I'm starting to rethink it and, and lean a little bit more towards Gurley. Uh, well, for one thing, these prices, I got to stop. I got to almost just get it out of my brain because I think it's destroying the way I'm thinking about this slate a little bit because the 7,200 even is, is, was part of it, like just that his price is that cheap and his upside yeah. for that. But that shouldn't really come into factor at all. Uh, yeah, there's like think, so much money left over on this slate. Yeah, because if I'm just going to make a real bet, like my life depends on it, him or Gurley straight up, I think I have to take take Gurley. So, and that's really what you're talking about because we're talking about leaving money on the table. Like that seems crazy on a 13-game NFL slate. <laughs> right, right. But that's where we're at. I mean – so uh, partly that was a big part of it for me. I think the usage has been weird because of the, some of the matchups. This is a, a, a much, much better matchup than the other ones were. And they were absolutely just demolished in those two games. Obviously with Peter from a quarterback, it's not as enticing, but you know, losing, to, losing at New England, having kind of a dud there. Even in these duds, he's gotten a pretty good workload. Uh, he only played halftime of one of these games. I just think that there's upside still here for him to get in the 25 to 30 range. But if I'm going to bet on who's more likely – uh, now that we're really realizing that there's so much value on this slate, I think Gurley and Gurley's probably the guy you want to you want to take just because the safety's there. I think even against a really really good defense. Yeah, it's weird. Um, these like even these prices. Typically, I would not pay up for any of these guys. None of these guys jump off the page for me in their matchup. I mean, Gurley's facing the team that that has allowed the fewest rush attempts and by far the fewest rushing yards. In the NFL, like the Eagles have allowed something like 300 fewer rushing yards to running backs than any other team. But obviously we know that he'll get involved in the pass game. He's going to be heavily involved no matter what. Um, LaShawn McCoy, again, like typically I wouldn't pay 7,200 for him with Nathan Peterman under center. But again, like 
yeah, he's in a good spot. He's going to get work. Uh, it's been these these heavy losses are the ones where his workload kind of dries up and they're less likely to just lose heavily to Indianapolis. So uh, there are things to like. It's just, again, it's that price thing of typically I wouldn't pay up for any of these guys, but the salary is available. So you kind of question who's the best. Uh, Grant, are you still on LaShawn McCoy at this point, even after us saying these other things? Absolutely. And you might want to read the lyrics on the link of the link you put on the tweet, by the way. I really want you to read them so you can just read them while I'm talking. Um, yes, I'm absolutely still on McCoy. McCoy's been on the odd, the bad side of variance for touchdowns for pretty much the whole season. Uh, one thing that a rookie quarterback or a very inexperienced quarterback tends to rely on is dumping off the ball to a running back, which is something that they do in the offense a lot. Uh, a lot of the weapons still aren't there or fully healthy or even playing that well, Zay Jones, um, in this offense, they're going to be a favorite. The line still isn't out, but I guarantee they're going to be a favorite. I'm fairly certain that even with Peterson at quarterback, they're going to be a favorite over Indy by a decent amount. LaShawn McCoy is going to get the volume, considering they're probably going to be up in this game. And the only reason he hasn't for three of the last four weeks is because they were getting so terribly blown out in every single matchup. There's really no point in running him towards the end of the game. You don't want to beat him up. You want to be fresh for the next week, and you have no reason to – try and win the game considering how far you are behind McCoy's raw points the top running back on the week and to me there's no question about it Gurley does not have that great of a matchup going against Philly uh I have no reason to play him over McCoy if I had to choose between the two uh thanks for the lyrics that are posted on my Twitter page uh, <laughs> so I mean I'm not disagreeing with you on LaShawn McCoy I'm just iffy. Um, Indianapolis doesn't have an awful run defense. They're way worse against the pass. And I don't think it's such a lock that Buffalo is going to be leading Indianapolis. I mean, Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in one half. I mean, I know that was against, against the best team for turnovers in the entire league. Yeah. It's, it's just so many different things that correlate to McCoy being force fed the ball throughout this entire game. And it's not like if they're coming from behind going with draw plays with McCoy we're going running with McCoy is probably they just haven't good. Done that. That's not what they've done when they've fallen behind, when they've fallen behind. Yeah, they also he got 12 carries, eight carries, 13 carries. I mean, that, like that's a, yeah, there's a difference concern. between falling behind and getting beaten by 20 or 30 or 40. Yeah. Which is I, literally I, their last three games. Yeah. I'm not saying games. it's a bad play. I just, I'm, I think there's definitely reasons for concern on him. Um, Another guy with reasons for concern, this mid-price is Kareem Hunt. And I wanted to just get your guys' feel for him at 6,500, level of interest against Oakland. Um, I mean, there's no reason this guy shouldn't be getting 20-plus carries, but he's not getting 20-plus carries, obviously. Andy Reid has a long history of doing this to us. He did it for years with Jamal Charles. Uh, Bobby, any interest in Kareem Hunt at 6,500, or is that just – going to be like a game theory, low ownership play, and that's it. I think that there like, is plenty of reason. I also think that Andy Reid deserves a tiny bit of a break just because these rookies do hit walls. This is not a fake thing. I mean, look, we got Melvin Gordon. He's still hitting the wall, and he's not even a rookie. Um, he's going to be in the league for 10 years. He'll still be hitting the wall halfway through the season. So rookie walls are a thing, and, and it's just with the lack of experience and the lack of other help, I think that it actually has hurt him. So I'm actually very interested in Hunt. Uh, mostly has to do with the Raiders' defense, and I love this game to target, which is funny because all those guys we mentioned, and none of them are in this game. But if you do want to go for leather weird like payups, like a guy like Crabtree or, or, or a weird pay down like Patterson and then play Hunt on the other end, you could play Hunt with Kelsey. You could play Hunt with Hill. You could play Hill with Kelsey. Um, overall, with Hunt on his own, I think he's definitely interesting, but I'm probably looking at him more in game stacks. Yeah, there's this whole game could easily – go for 60 plus points and none of these guys jump out as the best plays on the slate. So they'll all be pretty low owned if that happens. Uh, Grant thoughts on Kareem hunt, or are you just kind of skipping over that portion of the price range? Um, I'm probably skipping over it. Like I said, um, there's, there's better plays all over the board. There's underpriced guys everywhere. I'd rather just go pay up a little bit more for McCoy or pay down a little bit for someone like Jamal Williams or Dion Lu- or I guess he's not main slate someone like Jamal Lewis or Marshawn Lynch, but it's not really that crazy to play him. I mean, realistically, he's had 240 touches so far in his career, which is just this season. He had four touchdowns in his first 55. 
touches and he's had zero since. So he's on the wrong side of the touchdown regression. He's gotten a lot of different matchups where he actually gets a lot of workload in there. This matchup this week with Oakland, uh, I don't know if Cooper's going to be back, but in any case, they don't really, they aren't really in that great shape anyways. They haven't been playing that well. And it's playing in Kansas City, which will give them quite a bit of a bump. Like a lot of the games that they've had lately have been on the road. So in Kansas City, they play better visually. They should play them harder. Oakland's not that great of a D. Kareem Hunt's on the wrong side of variance. And this is a matchup, I think, where if they're still trying to vie for playoff contention, which everyone in that entire division is outside of Denver, they could give him the ball quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, his, there's no reason why his workload should be so low outside of, you know, hypothetical rookie wall situation, but he's still on the field for 70, 80% of snaps. It's just, they're just not giving it to him. You know, I, I feel like if they finally give him 20 carries plus three or four catches, he could easily post another 30 point game. I'll definitely have interest in him. I think he's lower down my list, but uh, like Bobby said, definitely interesting in, in game stacks. So Grant, you mentioned some of these guys in the next tier down. Um, so these running backs uh, from 5,500 to 6k, which is, Alfred Morris, uh, Samaje Ryan, Marshawn Lynch, Lamar Miller, Jamal Williams, Carlos Hyde. Who among those guys stands out to you the most? Who do you feel most comfortable playing? Because really, uh, you know, talking about these, these receivers that we talked about before and Gio Bernard, you can actually fit in Travis Kelsey as well if you went cheaper at this second running back spot. Um, so is there anybody in this price range that stands out to you more than others? Uh, I'd say Jamal Williams is probably my favorite. One thing with Cleveland is they have a very good run D, but we saw what Joe Mixon did to him. We've seen what a few guys have done to him. The main thing in this defense is that they give up a whole lot of receptions to opposing running backs, just the way they force things. Like it's they try and cover the outsides and tight ends and running backs tend to get a whole lot of targets. Uh, Jamal Williams has about five a week for like the last three or four weeks. And he's clearly the centerpiece of this offense. Kind of gets a lot of the pressure off of Brett Hundley. So I expect him to be heavily involved in a game that, they're more likely to be leading than they are not to, but in either case, it's probably going to get a whole lot of work. So it's kind of a high floor spot. I would think about Hyde, but most of the targets he was getting, like it wasn't consistent throughout his entire career. It was mostly when Beathart was in the lineup with Gabbard. And you don't know how much he's going to trust him that he doesn't have as much of a rapport, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of receiving options, he may not go to Hyde every time, which is what we saw last week. I don't know if it's a trend. It could easily revert. But as of this point right now, because of the value out there and the high price running backs, I don't know if there's any real reason to go with Hyde at 6K. Uh, yeah, I think Jamal Williams right now is the one who stands out to me the most. I'm a little concerned that Aaron Jones should come back and take work. It doesn't make sense, but we've seen a lot of things in the NFL this year that don't make sense from a coaching perspective. So that's my one concern. I agree with you that the matchup isn't as big of a concern for Jamal Williams. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland gets their first win here. But with that said, Aaron Rodgers is set to come back next week. Uh, Packers are six and six. I mean, a win here and they, you know, head into the final three games with an actual shot at a playoff spot, an outside shot in the NFC, but an actual shot. So I think that, Cle uh, that Green Bay is going to leave everything on the field, try to win this last game before they get Aaron Rodgers back. And Williams has been their best weapon uh, along with Devontae Adams. So, I definitely like that. Bobby, what are your thoughts on, on this price range? Anybody standing out to you, or is it mostly a leave it uh, in this price range? Uh, give me the range one more time. Uh, 5,500, Alfred Morris up to Carlos Hyde at 6K. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to – Lamar Miller and Samaje P. Ryan. I, I like Lamar Miller. I have no belief in the San Francisco defense. I think there's a chance here he could have multiple touchdown upside – uh, I like a lot of pieces of this Houston offense actually in this matchup, and I actually think that there's, and I think that uh, I think on the other side of it, I'm also really interested in uh, in Garoppolo. So I actually think that there, and I, and even in Hyatt a little bit. So, but those two guys, P Ryan, mostly it's P Ryan and Miller for me. I think P Ryan's in a good spot again. Chargers, I don't trust their run D. Obviously, that's the way to beat him is more on the ground. P Ryan, other than last week when they were getting blown out, had a two really good weeks in a row against uh, New Orleans and the Giants, and I don't see any reason why he couldn't have a performance just like that uh, against a pretty poor Charger defense in a spot where he should uh, get the work down the stretch and uh, should be able to, like, hopefully get a touchdown or two. 
Yeah, P. Ryan was the first guy who stood out to me, and I was thinking the same thing and then realizing, and plus, you know, I love that he's been getting targets, which is something we never saw with Rob Kelly in this role, uh, never saw with Alfred Morris in this role. The one concern I have is that his work did dry up when they fell behind. Realistically, the Chargers could take a two-score lead against Washington, and, you know, P. Ryan could fall out of the game plan after that. So I'm a little more concerned, I think, about P. Ryan. And, and that was, like I said, I started out on him and I've started to move away. I like Lamar Miller, I'd say, equally to you. It's Right now it's between Jamal Williams and, and Lamar Miller in this price range for me. Um, I think that covers everything, or I know that covers everything. It covers all eight topics. Um, so anything else that you want to throw out there, Bobby, from a strategy or roster construction standpoint um, from what we've talked about so far and just the way that this week shapes up? I think the ownership is going to be largely focused on some guys, and there'll be a bunch of guys where it's spread out. So if you're not on those those obvious guys, and check Jamino's ownerships, but uh, you can pretty much spread it out however you want and not worry too much about having uh, the same stacks with a 13-game slate and so many good plays out there. So a lot of ways to pivot, a lot of different ways you can go, and uh, just uh, you can avoid chalk in certain spots. Just make sure it's the right ones. Yeah, I think that the like realizing just how this slate shapes up and realizing – okay, Gio Bernard is the sharpest value play. Uh, Josh Gordon is tremendously underpriced. Sterling Shepard's tremendously underpriced. DeAndre Hopkins is a great play. It's going to be easy to pay up for him. Like, you can recognize where a lot of this ownership is going to go. Are these guys optimal plays? Yes. But is there a chance that they fail or somebody else does much better than them? Absolutely. And I think that ownership is going to skew too heavily here in tournaments. So it is a good week. I mean, it's it's not a great week for taking the optimal plays at low ownership, but it is a great week for knowing how heavy ownership is going to be in certain spots and then just pivoting to other good plays, hoping for the best. Uh, Grant, any final thoughts before we move on to Love at First Sight? Nope. You said I'm not paying attention to ownership this week. I will probably not look at it at all. I'm just going to play my favorite plays. That's good. And stick primarily to cash, I imagine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I'm going to – this is a week – I don't know. I have to figure it out. As of this point right now, it looks like I might just pull a JM and be a one lineup guy. Um, and that's it. Just enter it in on everything. But I don't know if I, I feel like there might be two or three way, different ways to go. And if you want to differentiate a little bit, I'm probably going to play uh, more cash on, I generally play dat, cash over on fancy draft. I'm probably going to play an equal amount between DK and fancy draft just to get a little bit of changes this week. Yeah, I like that. I think that this is a week where I typically try to limit myself to 1% of any double up field. So for example, I think it's a $25 double up. You can put in up to 150 entries, but uh, once you get up to like 90, you, you've covered 1% of the field. Um, this is a week where I might actually go over that 1% threshold and just go heavy cash games. Um, I think that you can build just a really sharp, straightforward lineup and finish top 10% of tournament fields. Uh, probably need to differentiate a little bit more than that to actually finish top 1%, actually take down something. But uh, in single entry tournaments, I think you can really just go straight forward this week and then pull game theory in as you get into multi-entry stuff. Um, I guarantee there's going to be certain lineups that will cash in tournaments, um, but won't be cashing in cash. Yeah, that's a good point because people will um, – like intentionally move off of the high owned guys in tournaments. And if it's a week where those guys hit, uh, it can actually be easier to cash in tournaments than in double ups. Is that what you're thinking, Grant? Yeah. All right. Um, all right. That brings us to love at first sight. Grant, have you taken any Uber rides this last week? I did, but I didn't fall in love with any of them. I, the person I really fell in love with was Josh Gordon, just watching him play. And the lady, I went to a nice little bar to to get food and watch foosball on, on Sunday. And um, I start off with the worst bottomless mimosa service I've ever had, which is now a very consistent thing for me on Sunday since I don't have time to go out on Saturday nights. I just go out and get drunk and watch football all day on Sundays. Uh, she started off by giving me two mimosas in the first hour, and then she came by every five minutes for the next hour and – changed the entire course of the rest of my day. So, uh, beautiful, beautiful young lady. 
that did beautiful, beautiful things. And I will forever miss her until next week when I go right back there because it's within walking distance of my house. So <laughs> back to Josh Gordon. Uh, absolutely love this Cleveland game. I will be so, so on it. It's ridiculous. There's so many ways to stack it, uh, even fitting in all these other really chalky pieces. Realistically, like we already stated, there's a lot of different scenarios where you can just lock in certain guys like Hopkins. For me, it'll be McCoy, Josh Gordon. And a way to differentiate a little bit is to lock in the chalk guys and fill in the pieces with game stacks. And this is probably one of my favorite ones to do. You can run it back with Jamal Williams. You can throw in Gordon, Kaiser, Devontae Adams, who should be in for a decent amount of work. Um, even though that Cleveland forces targets in a different direction, I think that they're actually going to be up in this game, which not a lot of people are going to believe. I think is where they get the first win of the season, and I think that they blow them out. Uh, but they'll be Green Bay will be passing to the running back later on the game. Or if I'm wrong and Vegas is right, they're going to be running with Jamal late on the game. There's a lot of different things you can go with in this lineup. You can even go with Hundley on the other side if you don't think that Kaiser is going to be running the ball a lot, which I don't know. I need to look into the specifics of how he's done against – or how Green Bay has done against running quarterbacks. But, yeah, just love every single part of this game. And Njoku. N- 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 there you go. You got it. Njoku. <laughs> Njoku. Oh, man, he's starting to get a little bit of love from Kaiser, which I'm sure with the fact that they actually have receiving have the receiving options puts a little bit of pressure off of him so that he can go out and receive the ball more. So this is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time to be a Cleveland Browns fan. If you yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised that – this line dropped it opened green bay by six and quickly dropped to green bay by three and a half uh, i am surprised that the over under has dropped from 41 down to 40 and a half i will be very surprised if this game does not go over 40 and a half i think that cleveland can score points against green bay with josh gordon back with Corey coleman healthy we have not seen them play an easy defense yet i mean Corey coleman has played pittsburgh jacksonville baltimore cincinnati and the chargers i mean that's like five of the six or seven worst pass defenses for a wide receiver to start the season against. So this is the first time that we've seen Kaiser with Coleman and Josh Gordon in an easy matchup. I think they can put up a lot of points here. Uh, Bobby, any thoughts on that game and what game is standing out to you on the front end of the week? First of all, has there been a week that Grant hasn't predicted that the Browns are going to win their first game? <laughs> I, wait, have I done that before? I haven't been yes. yes, you have. Yes, know, you definitely, you definitely right. did last week. I definitely um, did. I, I I did do it last week, or I said that game would be closer. I don't think I predicted a win. I projected it to be closer than I projected them to beat the spread, which they did. Boom! Suck it, Bobby. <laughs> but yeah, you're probably right. Go on. <laughs> I think um, you at least predicted two or three Cleveland Browns wins. Yeah, I could see I could see that game getting there. I don't know. Um, I'm interested in it. it. Definitely is on my list, but it's not my number one game. Uh, I don't have a whole bunch of thoughts other than I'm not going to play Kaiser or Hundley. That's mostly why I'm not fully stacking it. But I do think that this Oakland-KC game is extremely interesting just with how bad KC's defense looked and how bad Oakland's defense actually is. Also, you have the limited players. So if you are looking for any value, there is some potential upside in Cordell Patterson. Uh, don't be surprised. This guy's got some talent. If he could, he could break two long ones and you'd be like, wait a minute, why didn't I play Corey Rell Patterson at 3,800 and he has two, you know, 60 yard touchdowns. It's totally in the cards against this KC defense. Um, so I, I'm interested in that game. I'm interested in him. I'm interested in Cat Crabtree. I'm interested in Kelsey. I'm interested in Hill. I'm interested in Hunt. I'm interested in Carr. The only problem is the guys who I'm most interested in of the whole week are not in that game. But if I can filter the right ones in with those guys, I think that you can make a really nice stack here. Um, I also think Seth Roberts is an interesting red zone target option in this situation. Uh, remember last time out, uh, Cooper had 200 plus yards receiving. Cook also had, oh, Cook's another one. Um, also had over 100 yards receiving against KC. No Cooper, so maybe some of the attention goes to Crabtree in this situation uh, or even more to Cook. So I'd actually like both of those guys quite a bit. Yeah, I like that game a lot. Uh, another game that's standing out is. Uh, San Francisco at Houston. It's an over-under of only 43 right now. But with how bad Houston's been against the pass, with Jimmy Garoppolo under center for San Francisco, and with DeAndre Hopkins doing work against a really bad secondary, against the fastest-paced team in football, I think this game has a, a chance to shoot out. I like Lamar Miller. I like Steven Anderson. I like DeAndre Hopkins. And I really like Marquise Goodwin on the other side. I think he'll go completely overlooked at 5,100, just 200 less than Sterling Shepard. And who wants to play Marquise Goodwin? But 
uh, you know, coming into the season, this was somebody that 49ers beat writers, 49ers fans were really hyped up about. Uh, they thought that he was going to have a better season than Pierre Garcon in this offense. And we've seen it the last few weeks. He's looked a lot better. They've been using him as more than just a deep threat. They've been using him uh, underneath. They've been using him on, you know, slants. They've been using him on 12-yard outs. So there's definitely upside here with his speed and his usage and Garoppolo throwing the ball to him. I think that he's an awesome tournament play this week. Uh, you guys, we finished like 10 minutes earlier than we normally do. Uh, good thing or bad thing, Grant? Um, I'd say it's a good thing so that you can rest your voice, Mr. Sick, and that you can listen. <laughs> we, we, we could just play the song that is currently... So we're not going to play the song to close out the show. Uh, I, could, I could read you the lyrics because they're very... <laughs> I, think, I think I already got that. Anybody who wants to read the lyrics, you can preview them on my Twitter page, apparently. Um, we had to get to bold calls. Did we, talk, we didn't talk about anything too crazy today. Someone suggested something really wild on Twitter they said, why don't you guys give actual bold calls? Um, that would be helpful. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You guys, you guys want to give something that would actually help the people this week? Or uh, what are we thinking? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, let's, uh, let me look. we got time. Let me find something weird. Uh, I mean, I still think that I'm going to be one of the few people on Ricky Seal Jones. Um, I, again, I'm on Kaiser over Gabbert or anyone else in that price range. Uh, yeah, it's so too bad we don't have three cheap quarterbacks we like, because I would take the – I mean, I like Kaiser a ton too, but I would take the Gabbert over Kaiser, but I, I don't think there's a third guy for us to pick from. Uh, um, we didn't talk about it too much, but Jimmy Westbrook's also one of the – do you want to take Savage, Bobby? No, no, no. That's hey, just... what about this? Um, Grant, if you want Jamal Williams and, Bobby, you want Pirine, I'll take Lamar Miller. I wanted yeah. Lamar Miller. Uh, you said you like Piran the most. Those aren't bold enough anyway. Are they? All right. All right. Throw us in here. What's bold? All right. I'll go, Steph- hey, Stephon I'll Diggs. go Corey Coleman. Okay. I'll go Corey Davis. I'll Corey go D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook? Okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> By the way, D.D. Westbrook, since he's been in the offense, in offensive plays where he's on the field where they pass, I think he's targeted 30% of the time, I want to say. That's crazy. It, it's, it, I can't. I might have gone off my numbers, but it's pretty close to thirty percent. Yeah, and he's a super stud. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen his ceiling yet. I think that that Jacksonville passing offense is going to go continually overlooked. I mean, there's so many. It's the the clearest path this week is so obvious that there's a bunch of guys: Deshaun Jackson, D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, Corey Davis, Corey Coleman. All these guys are going to go super overlooked, and any of them could put up twenty plus points. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm comfortable taking Coleman. I think that we'll see his targets bounce back up this week after he saw only four looks last week. I think if he sees, you know, seven, eight, nine targets this week, he could he could end up outscoring Josh Gordon. And I don't think anyone's going to be on him because of the excitement over Josh Gordon. Uh, so what? I've got Coleman, Bobby. You have Corey Davis, and yep. Grant. You have D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. By the way, I love the idea of throwing Gordon, Coleman, and Kaiser all in the same lineup. Agreed. 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 Um, all right. So, Bobby, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Don't do what Grant just said. I wouldn't put all those guys in the same lineup. Oh, my gosh. Do it in a tournament lineup because uh, you could easily collect, like, 65 to 70 points off of those three. Yeah, and at a cheap price, being able to throw in all the top guys afterwards. The problem is the Giovanni Bernardo conundrum. Kind of yeah, I mean, so then what? You play Geo and then you just pay up for everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think. So I've been thinking about it throughout the show. Uh, Geo, the possibility of fading him. You want to fade cheap chalk when they're not really safe. But like going through the show and realizing that there's safe spots all over the place. That's you true. You want to pay up for both Gurley and McCoy. I mean, realistically, at slightly more expensive spots, you can find safety with D.D. Westbrook. You can find safety going down from Keenan Allen or Hopkins down to the mid-tier range with the guys we talked about, Shepard, uh, Gordon, Dez. Like all, there's a lot of different – like there's no – outside of the geo conundrum, the top two wide receivers, and that clump of mid-tier wide receivers, there's plays scattered throughout uh, pricing. And yeah. so there's a lot of different ways you can go. And if you just want to pay up a tight end, that can completely change your lineup. 
Yeah, you could you could just take really good plays at every position, like obvious plays at every position, but have a completely different roster construction than anybody else. If you just fade Geo, take your savings somewhere else, or like you said, if you pay up a tight end, which is definitely something I've messed around with uh, with Kelsey this week in a really good spot. Uh, Grant, any final thoughts before we get out of here that are less helpful than that? Um, you know what? It's, it's it's cool to go be a man and go drink beers on Sunday and watch football. But mimosas are just so much better. They're stronger. By the way, you don't put a whole lot of a whole lot of orange juice in. That's that's the real wrong way to do it. Then you're getting a bunch of sugar. But just get an entire bottle of champagne and drink straight out of the bottle at a bar. It's a real classy way to do something <laughs> while also being incredibly unclassy. Um, it'll get into your system quicker. You'll have to pee less so you can sit and watch football more. Um, and it's, it's got bubbles. By the way, did you know that technically uh, champagne has to come from Champagne, Italy, but they were, passed a law about 12, 15 years ago? And so there are certain champagnes that are actually brewed or made in the U.S., Andre's Cooks, all these cheap ones, that is actually just technically sparkling wine, which is ex- exactly the same thing as champagne, just not made over in champagne. Uh, I did know that. I didn't know that they're actually allowed to say champagne on the bottles now. So, yeah. Well, it was an agreement with the EU when they, the agreement was in place. There were a few that were grandfathered in, and Barefoot Bubbly, uh, Cooks, Andres, just to name a few, are the ones there. So they're technically sparkling wine, but sparkling wine is technically champagne. So there's no real difference. Just the average consumer doesn't know that. So if you want cheap champagne, just buy sparkling wine. There you go. Uh, wisdom from Grant. And that will help you on your week, even if nothing else we talked about will. I think that what we talked about today will actually help quite a bit this week. Uh, that extra day was really nice to kind of get a clearer picture on the slate. So apologies for this coming out a day later than normal. Helped me rest up a little bit and I think helped us uh, give you guys a really good show for an interesting week that, uh, as we said, is going to be pretty chalky. A lot of really good plays that are pretty obvious, but there's definitely a lot of different ways that you can go in tournaments as well. Uh, With that, let's go have a profitable week this week. We will see you back here next week, same time, same place, and we will see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. See you, kids. See you, kids. (laughs) 